here today. If you're visiting, the, our regular preacher is not here. So if, if you don't like the speakers, we have a better one in a, next week. So um, I wanted to talk to you this morning about the, uh, well, let me say this. We have another guest speaker, and he's actually a good speaker, the one we have during worship. So I'm looking forward to Brother Sonny's lesson. Um, I wanted to talk to you today about the the day of the Lord, specifically the the day of the Lord when Jesus returns. A lot of times, particularly in the Old Testament, they, the day of the Lord is mentioned and doesn't necessarily mean that that's the day Jesus returns. It may be a day of judgment on a group of people that God had pronounced a judgment on. But when I speak this morning of the day of the Lord, I'm, I'm trying to talk about when Jesus returns, when he, as He promised He would return. In Acts chapter 1, the first few verses of Acts chapter 1, you know, Jesus talked to His disciples and Verse 9, he said, Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in a like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So while the disciples were standing there and saw Jesus ascend, they were told, you know, Jesus is going to come back in a similar manner. But the first thing I'd like for us to think about in regards of the day of the Lord is that it's really going to happen. Jesus is going to return. There's lots of people in the world who, who don't believe that He's going to return. Even people who live during New Testament times didn't believe that Jesus was going to come back. In the second Peter chapter three, verse three through seven, you know, Peter says, "Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, "Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they, as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until a day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So even during the time when Peter wrote that, he says there were scoffers who were basically saying, Where's Jesus? Why hadn't He come yet? Everything just is continuing on the way it always does. You know, we have hot weather and cold weather, harvest time and planting time. Everything just keeps going the way it, has, it always has. Where is He? And we could, there are people like that today who say, you know, things have just been, the seasons have been continuing on, nations rise and fall, life continues on, and Jesus hasn't come. It's just a fairy tale or a tall tale. But we're warned that there's going to be people like this. 
who are going to scoff at the idea of Jesus coming. But we understand that God does not lie, and Jesus said he was going to come, and he's going to come. When God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. A lot of people are very uncomfortable about Jesus coming back because that means that we're going to be held accountable for a lot of things that we've done, and a lot of people don't want to deal with that. But we, of all people, need to understand that the Lord is going to return. His promises are true. It's going to happen. And uh, we need to be ready. I, I say, you know, the Lord's going to return, but I must confess to you that there are times when a day goes by, maybe several days go by, and I get so caught up in my life that I don't think about, you know, today could be the day. Today could be the day Jesus returns. And am I ready for when that's going to happen? So the Lord will return just as He said He would. Something else the Scriptures teach us about the Lord's return is that Jesus is going to come at a time when we least expect. Um, for 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. This is the phrase they use to talk about the coming of the Lord. It's going to be like a thief in the night. Um, Peter says, uses this phrase, thief of the night, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So I think we don't know the answer to the question I'm about to ask, but has anyone ever been robbed? Did the thief tell you that they were coming ahead of time? I've had a house that got broke into one time and I didn't know that. It was a complete surprise. It was just a complete shock to walk in and see things out of sort. And I, it took me a while to process what had happened. But the thieves, don't, they don't tell you when they're coming. They come at a time when you least expect. And that's the way it is with Jesus. He's going to come back, but it's going to be at a time when we least expect. And we, can't, uh, we don't know when that's going to be. We can't predict it. Um, throughout my life and years too there's been people that have tried to predict when the world was going to end and uh, I remember this was back in the 1980s this was a long time ago before, but there was a, an author or somebody came out and he said you know the world's going to end and it's going to happen because of this phenomenon called the Jupiter Effect. And I don't remember all the details about it, but the, my understanding was the planets were going to line up in such a certain way that the gravitational pull upon these planets, upon the sun, was going to cause this big solar flare that was going to come out and the Earth would be destroyed. It was something like that. This was in the 1980s. and I remember my dad, was he, he worked with a guy who... <clears throat> told him, he said, man, this is going to happen. You know, I've got everything ready, and you need to be ready too because this is going to happen. And uh, that day came and went, and we're still here. And uh, there was another book 
that I was told about, and I don't know the title of this book, but it was written by some NASA scientists, rocket scientists are smart people, right? And um, he was a mathematician, very smart, and he went to the Bible and he somehow came up with an equation based upon all the numbers of the Bible and he figured out what day the world was going to end. And um, the date, I don't remember the date, but it was sometime in the 1980s because that's when I was told this. And that date has come and gone. So men are very terrible at predicting the future and when the world is going to end. They don't know. And it's really foolishness, you know, to try to predict an exact date because we don't know. The Bible says we, we have no idea that Jesus will come back at a time when we least expect. He will come as a thief in the night. And the smart thing for us to do is to be prepared, is to realize we don't know when He's coming, and we can't control that, but we can control whether or not we're prepared. And in Matthew chapter 25, verse 13, actually this is a, in a parable Jesus spoke, about being prepared. He says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So we know Jesus is going to return, but we don't know when. But we do know that we can be prepared. Something else I would like to say also about Jesus' coming is that there's no escape you're going to have to deal with Jesus' coming and what all that entails. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3, you know, the Apostle Paul, speaking from inspiration, he says, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. There's a lot of unfairness in our world because we have court systems that are made by men and uh, governments that are made up of flawed men and women. And um, there are times when criminals go free. They escape judgment in this world. And of course, there's times when innocent people are punished. And uh, you know, there are people that cheat on their taxes and get away with it. There are people that... Uh, break all kinds of laws, and, and get away with it. But the judgment of Christ and, the, uh, and Jesus' second coming, nobody's going to be able to escape that. It's something that everyone is going to have to deal with. No one's going to be able to hide. Nobody's going to be able to pay off somebody to get a favor. It's something where... We're all going to have to deal with it, and the truth is going to be told. And, um, you know, as Paul said, you know, he describes it as like labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And my understanding is when the labor process starts, you know, something is going to happen. The baby is going to be born. You can't end that process. But a lot of people escape judgment and things in this life. But the second coming of Jesus and the judgment that follows that 
is something that we will all have to deal with. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, and, it is, and, it, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Meaning that judgment is part of our existence. It's something that we're all going to have to deal with. It's something that we can't escape. And I think some reasons why people don't want to think about Jesus coming and they scoff at that is because this idea of judgment is just very terrifying and scary that someone may hold them accountable for what they've done in this life. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, it says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You know, we've, we've studied in here on Wednesday night prison epistles, and, and one of the things that I've noticed when, as we read that is, you know, Jesus is at the right hand of God, and all authority has been given to him. And, uh, you know, he's over the church, and he's over all principalities and powers. There's a lot of religions in this world and a lot of people who don't recognize Jesus as Lord. They don't believe that he is what he says he is and what the Bible teaches. But, you know, a day is coming when everyone's going to be convinced that Jesus is Lord. And they're all going to bow before him and realize you know, that he is the Lord. He is the head of all things. And unfortunately for some people, when they, as I understand it, when they realize that, it's going to be too late. It's going to be after they've lived their life and they stand before God in judgment. But you know, we, sh we are not that way because we, have, we understand that Jesus is Lord. We understand that He's the Lord of our life and we, we are submitting to Him right now. But for a lot of people, they haven't done that yet and they don't want to do that. But there's no escape from judgment when the Lord comes. It's something that we're all going to have to deal with. Now, since we understand that the Lord is going to return and He's coming at a time when we least expect and there's no escape, judgment is something and the Lord's return, it's something we need to be prepared for. We need to be preparing for it. You know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4 through 8. We've read verses before this, just a continuation of those. Paul tells them, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. Paul was writing to Christians there at Thessalonica. And the admonition is the same for us. We're, we're warned ahead of time that Jesus is coming. And we have opportunity to prepare. And we prepare by living each day 
as a Christian as best we can. You know, we're told what kind of people we are supposed to be. We're not people of darkness. And I think you know, he's describing people of darkness as people of sin who do things that are shameful. But we are people of the light. We, we are people that serve God and we do what's right. And we do what's right all the time. But this doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. And it doesn't mean we don't have weaknesses, but we know how to, we're working on getting stronger, and when we do stumble, we know what we must do to be forgiven of those things. So we take each day, one day at a time, and do the best we can each day. Because one day, that'll be our last day here. Either one day the Lord will return, or one day it'll be the end of our life here. But we can be prepared to meet the Lord. This is not something impossible. It's something that we can do. There's no reason why we can't be sons of the light and avoid the sins that other people get entangled in. He talks about that... um, we are not to sleep as others do, but we are to watch and be sober. I think what he's talking about is thinking clearly and making good decisions. First of all, realize that there is going to be a judgment, and it matters what I do. Choosing right over wrong matters. That's thinking clearly. A lot of people don't even think about those things. Another part of thinking sober is realizing that I'm not going to be here forever. And one day Jesus will return. Judgment is coming. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 3, a lot of these verses come out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 2 Peter chapter 3. He says in verses 11 and 13, the verse before that we read earlier, says that the earth and the works in it are going to be burned up. But he continues in verse 11 saying, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, Look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. He starts off by saying, you know, the earth and everything in it's going to be gone. It's going to be burned up. Uh, we could say, if you can see it, it's not going to be here. But he says, knowing that, what type of person should you be? If all the physical things around you are going to be gone, and they're not going to last forever. They're just going to be temporary. What type of person should you be? What values should you have? But if I know that, then it would be foolish of me to invest my whole life and wrap my whole life around physical things, material things. Because those are temporary things. Those are things that aren't going to be around forever. 
So I should be a person that is thinking about spiritual things, spiritual treasures. My goal should be looking for this, this new heavens and this new earth that were promised. And how can I get there? And understand that I'm not going to get there by making my goal in life, seeing how much money I'm going to make. I'm not going to get there by just focusing on having fun in this life. I'm going to get there by being a spiritually minded person. I'm not saying that you shouldn't work and you can't have fun. I'm saying that that shouldn't be your goal in life. That shouldn't be what defines you. Being a Christian and following God should be what we want and what we are all about. So what type of person are you trying to be? Another aspect to preparing ourselves is we need to realize that God is very long-suffering. The idea of long-suffering, or at least how I understand long-suffering, is, is someone that's long-tempered. We know what a short-tempered person is. Perhaps some of us are that way some of the time. But we study about God and we study about godly people. We learn that God is long-suffering. We could say, you know, God puts up with a lot. He's very patient. But God is very patient with us. There's been times in my life when I was, I was living in rebellion to God. I wasn't interested in spiritual things. Why didn't God strike me dead? Or why didn't I die because of those things? Well, I believe it's because God was long-suffering with me. We read in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, and this is from the same context where we've been talking about the world being melted and burned up and a judgment to come and Jesus returning. We read, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We understand there's a promise that Jesus is going to come, and then there's some that scoff at that and say, well, where is He? Why isn't He coming? It must not be true. But Peter tells us God's not slack concerning His promise, but He's long-suffering. And Why is He long-suffering? Because He doesn't want anybody to perish. That's not what He wants. There's a, in Ezekiel chapter 18, which is a, that's a really interesting chapter, I think, to read about uh, the fact that uh, from God's standpoint, you know, He holds each person accountable for, for their sins. He doesn't hold, um, when a father sins, He doesn't hold His children or His son accountable for those sins. Now, the children may have to suffer consequences for those sins. But uh, 
toward the end of that chapter, he says, I get no pleasure at all in the death of, of anybody. If someone dies in their sins, I don't get any pleasure from that. And he says, why not turn and live? And if someone is lost, God is not happy about that. That's not what He wants. He wants a relationship with you and everybody. And uh, I could say that one of the reasons why Jesus has not returned is because God's long-suffering, and He's wanting to give people opportunities to get their life right. So understand that you know, Jesus is going to return we don't know when it's going to be. And we need to be prepared for that. There's no escaping His return and the judgment that follows. But God wants you to be successful. He wants to be in a relationship with you. And I don't, I don't know all of the workings and what all God does, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's been times in each of our lives where God has given us opportunities to repent because He loves us and He wants us to come back. There may have been times when an accident was avoided so we could have an opportunity to repent. I don't know. There may have been times when something happened in our life that was bad and God allowed it to happen so that we could have an opportunity to focus on spiritual things and perhaps repent. I don't know. But I believe that He wants me and you to be successful and He wants us to be part of His people. So the day of the Lord Jesus is returning is not something we should fear or something that we should dread. It really should be something that we look forward to. You know, the writers in the New Testament, they were looking forward to this. They, they said you should be looking for this, hastening the his return. And we should be that type of people too. It should be a, a day that, that we're looking forward to, a day of happiness, a day of excitement. And it can be if we, if we will be prepared. This is all the lesson I had prepared this morning. And, um, but I hope, hope that we can all think about Jesus' return and there are days that go by in my life when I, I don't think about it, and I should, and that's shame on me for not doing that. But we should all be thinking about this and looking forward to it and making sure that we're prepared. And I appreciate your attention. Thank you.